Good. So we are currently busy with a sermon series on the book of James. That's what we are busy with. The book of James, and particularly there's a focus on the book of James of putting your faith to work. James is a very practical book of the Bible. And I have really enjoyed uh, going through the book of James in preparation for the whole sermon series and also as we time by time are preaching on it. Um, how many of you have been blessed by going through the book of James? Raise a hand if that's you. Fantastic. Now, today we will look at James chapter 3. It has 18 verses to it. So would you please turn there so long. In a moment's time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. James chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, I encourage you to follow in your Bible. Keep it open right throughout our time of sharing. Let's be people of the Word. Now, James chapter 3 essentially deals with two things. It deals with controlling of the tongue, controlling our tongue. And the majority of the message today deals with that. And then a smaller portion at the end deals with wisdom from above. So those are the two focus areas. And we'll spend most of the time on this first aspect of controlling the tongue. Now let me say that later on in the message, listen carefully. I have felt that it would be the right thing. I feel prompted by the Lord to give an opportunity a little later in the message that there will be a time when you will be given an opportunity to come before the Lord and to ask forgiveness, to repent if you have been using unclean language in your lifestyle. Unclean language, bad language. And I feel that this is important because we not only must uh, talk about the Word of God and appreciate the wonder of the principles, but we have to let, it has to change our lives, amen? The Word of God has to change our lives. So you can anticipate that, and may the Lord prepare our hearts for that. In the first service, there were many people that stood at that point. Let's get straight into the reading of the Word. James 3, verse 1 to 18. James is speaking, he says, My brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at large ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the, fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, and it sets on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, 
is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless God, and our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God or the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Notice that word cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring uh, send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt and fresh water. So all of these 12 verses are focused on the tongue. Now he moves on into this aspect of wisdom from above versus earthly, fleshly wisdom. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where there is envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above, from heaven, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Can I hear an amen? amen. The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. I love reading scripture in church. I think too many times in churches lately, there's very little scripture and lots of motivational preaching. I want to tell you, if we want to be a solid church, there needs to be lots of scripture in the messages. Amen. So five points that I'd like to share with you. If you're making notes, please jot this down. Number one, recognize the crucial role your tongue plays. Recognize the crucial role your tongue plays. Do you see your tongue as playing a crucial role in your life? Think about that. Do you see that this little thing that you have inside of your mouth called the tongue plays a crucial role or not? Because I want to tell you, according to Scripture, it sure plays a vital role, a crucial role. And I want to say this, that I believe some people's lives have gone completely off course because there was a time when they stopped controlling their tongue. They stopped bridling their tongue. And as a result, they are experiencing a lot of chaos in their lives. And so you need to realize if we value what the word values, then we understand, no, 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 this tongue, maybe I've underestimated the role that this thing plays in my life. I need to realize, take this, take this up to a new level of understanding. This plays a big role in my life. It says in James 3, verse 4 to 5, you can look in the passage, it says, Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Please say those words, a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. 
Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Now, would you please turn to the person next to you and stick out your tongue and show them how big your tongue is. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, all right. You don't have to, some people, they're so submissive, they're like, all right. But your tongue is actually pretty small in relation to the rest of your body. Some people just like so compliant. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, so verse four essentially tells us that massive ships are steered by a very small tongue. Now, sorry, sorry, exactly. Massive ships are steered by a very small rudder. I'm still on the tongue thing, okay? Rudder is a little bit bigger. Now, in terms of this, uh, I was thinking that it's interesting because a rudder only weighs a fraction of the weight of the ship. And uh, I was just reading about one of the old classic ships in the early 1900s, and it is the Queen Elizabeth Ocean Liner, operated primarily in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. It could accommodate 3,500 people, which at the time was revolutionary in terms of passengers and crew, 3,500 people. Can you imagine that in 1940? And for a total of 56 years, it was the largest ocean liner, really ahead of its time. It weighed the following, it weighed 83,000 tons, but yet the rudder only weighed 140 tons. You know what that means? The rudder weighed less than 1% of the total weight of the vessel. Yet, that small rudder could turn the whole vessel. So, what is the point in all of this? The point is, don't misjudge the power of your tongue by its size. Even though your tongue is very small, it actually directs not just your body, it directs your entire life. Many people don't realize that. They don't realize how important this is. But I want to tell you, it can direct the entire course of your life, either for good or for evil. Verse 2 in our passage says that if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. I find that quite fascinating. In other words, if you can control your speech, then you shouldn't have too much difficulty controlling other areas of your life. Think of some other areas of your life that maybe you would like to control a little bit more effectively. Maybe your productivity. Maybe you'd like to control your mood a little bit more. Maybe you'd like to control your eating, perhaps your spending. Maybe you'd like to control your tech time and you realize you're spending too much time on tech and so on. But the thing is that if you have learned to control the most difficult component, namely the tongue, and you begin to give, get victory in that area, then you just apply those same principles to other areas of your life. And so therefore, it is important that we bring this under control. Number two. Our words contain either creative or destructive power. Please say that with me. Our words contain either creative or destructive power. There's a verse from Proverbs 18, 
and verse 21 that we have to bring in when we talk about this. And it says the following, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There are many of you that have been speaking life with your tongue over years, and you enjoy the harvest of that good fruit. There's some people's lives, under the sound of my voice, your life is in chaos because you haven't taken dominion over this area of your life, of your speech. And so the reality is that your tongue can do a tremendous amount of good. It can also do a great deal of damage. You have that power. Because we're made in the image of God, and God has this ability to speak and create, we're made in His image, and we have the ability to break down or create with the words that we speak because we are made in the image of God. And I believe that just as God spoke the worlds into existence, He is wanting you in your sphere of influence to speak hope into existence. He is looking to you. You might be the only born again child of God in your office. He is looking to you to speak destiny into existence. You might be the only saved person in your family. He's looking for you to speak destiny. He's looking for you to speak hope into that situation. And I believe that in all of this, we're actually just coming into agreement with God because God always speaks life and he wants us to speak life. Can you say amen? amen. Let's talk about this destructive power of our speech for a moment and then also the creative power. Now let me say this, in recent years, I believe that South Africa, our country, has been troubled by a lot of destructive words. A lot of destructive words. And really, it's no surprise that people have been disturbed by all of this as a result because, here it is, words are that powerful. If we had been in a, dis a distinctly different frame of thinking in the nation, I believe our nation would be at a different place. But partly, we find ourselves where we are because of people in this country who are declaring the wrong things and who are causing destruction with their words. Listen to what it says, James 3, verse 5 to 6. I'm just going to read it from the message translation. It says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, listen to this, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Wow. I mean, this is pretty hardcore, what is being said here. And so I'm emphasizing it again because we need to know the power of our communication and the effect that it has around us. And so I want to say to you, child of God, I want to say in your words, do not create chaos with your words but be somebody that will be life-giving in the words that you speak. I wanna to say to you, in your office environment, in your campus, in your school environment, 
at break time, in the cafeteria, wherever it might be, make sure that you are not creating chaos with your words, but you are bringing life with your words. And I also want to tell you, make sure that in the realm of social media, that you are not creating chaos with your posts. I'd like to point out to you, it's my firm belief, that social media is an extension of your tongue. <laughs> Some people need to hear that. Social media is an extension of your tongue. Some people get onto social media and they think they're now completely unaccountable. They can shout their mouth off, say some trash about people, break down reputations, say racist things, but you can't because you're responsible because that is an extension of your very mouth. So don't say, no, 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 I've got an alias and on Instagram and Twitter, I tweet a whole bunch of stuff and so on and I'm not responsible. I wanna tell you that you are responsible and let me prove it from the word of God. It says in Matthew 11, verse, uh, sorry, Matthew 12, verse 36, it says, but I say unto you that for every idle word that men speak in whatever format it may come across, I may add in that, they will give account on the day of judgment. So realize, even if somebody doesn't catch you out, ultimately you and I have to give account for the things we say, the things we share on social media. Let's up our game, people of God. Let's up our game. Come on. Tell the person next to you, let's up our game. Tell them that. Let's talk about creative power for a moment under this point. And uh, this is something that I am quite passionate about because in general, Christians are supposed to be speaking words of life. Would you agree with that? Now, one of the key areas is over children. I want to tell you, children need words of life spoken over there. I can remember on a handful of occasions where my dad said over me, he said, John, your mom and I, we are proud, or mom and I are proud of you. You know what that did for me? It made me feel about, I don't know, six feet taller, because my dad, who I loved and I looked up to, he was saying, well done. And I'm thinking of Jesus. What did he experience? The voice of the Father out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And so it is important that we realize that you can shape the very destiny of your children's lives through the words that you speak. Some of you may be facing situations where uh, your children are in a really bad place right now. And I wanna say, you keep on speaking in line with the word of God, you keep on speaking promises from the word of God, and God's word will not return void. It has to change situations into which it is released. And so children need to hear words of life. Jesus said in uh, John 6, verse 63, he says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Now, the Greek word for life in verse 63 is the word zoe. Would you please say zoe? Zoe, zoe speaks of the very breath of God, the very life of God. Here Jesus was on earth. And basically, he's speaking out of relationship with the Father, and people are realizing there is life in Jesus. Because it says about Jesus in John chapter 1, 
that in him was life. And so when Jesus began to open his mouth and speak, what came out of his mouth, it was life. And that's why people were drawn to Jesus. Even unbelievers will be drawn to Jesus. I want to tell you, you don't need to just mix in your holy huddle. You can reach people around about you who are radically unsaved, if I can put it that way. And if you speak words of life, they should be drawn to you. They should not be repulsed by Christians. No, they should experience the words of life through us. And so whenever Jesus spoke, his words contained the very breath of God. He spoke words of life. Mandri and I have, we've always tried to be careful in the area of not speaking destructive words over our sons, but building them up, speaking words of life. Can I have a little bit more level on my mic, please? And so we try to speak words of life and not break them down. And I believe that the Lord has worked in their lives because of that. And let me tell you, that doesn't mean that you can't correct. When correction is needed, you don't tackle the person, you tackle the behavior. You don't tell the child, you are bad, you are just like your uncle who's a miserable whatever, whatever, whatever. Or can't you be more like your brother who gets better marks and so on? You don't break down the person. Never. You address the behavior. And you say, that was wrong what you did. Very important. Because kids can sense when they are being attacked personally. And they can sense when they are being spoken to out of a heart of love, correcting behavior. So speak words of life, speak words of life. I heard a story about Gary Player. As South Africans, we all know Gary Player. But when he was young, there was a time when things were not going well in his golf, in his golfing career. He was really trying his best, but it's as though he reached a ceiling in his golf and he was convinced he would never be a champion. And the real problem was Gary Player thought he was too short. He began to believe, I'm too short to be a great golfer. And then when his dad became aware of it, his dad said to him, he said, Gary, it's not what's outside that matters, it's what's inside that matters. And that began to change something in Gary Player, and he began to excel, and he went on to become one of the greatest golfers that we have ever known. But it started with a father speaking words of life over his son. We'll be amazed at what God can do as we speak words of life. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three, before words are spoken, they are conceived in the heart. Because words don't just come out. They start with thoughts. They start with meditations of the heart. And then your words come out. It says in Luke 6 verse 45, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. Isn't that lovely? And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. And then it says, For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Do you realize that your speech reveals your heart to other people. You might say something and you say, no, I didn't mean that. No, 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 you misunderstood me. Ah, come on. 
Don't lie. Tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> Sometimes we try to make excuses, but when you speak words, it actually reveals your heart. It exposes your heart. And if you face a challenge and you've got the situation, it's a challenge, and suddenly you say something really ugly, it's actually just showing what's going on in your heart. Do you realize that? Now, let me share with you a little bit of an example from our family. Last week, Friday, um, Mandri, Michael, and I, we flew down to Jeffreys Bay because we were going to surprise Jason. He's doing a victory gap year down there. So we're all excited. We're ready. We're up first thing Friday morning. We're off to the airport due to take off at 10 past 8, and we get there an hour and 20 minutes before the time. And uh, we put our bags at the check-in counter. We're all excited, ready to hit J-Bay. And uh, as we get there at the check-in counter, we realize that somehow we had forgotten Michael's ID document. Ish. <laughs> so we, we, we're trying to think, what can we do? And we're talking to the lady and says, now, isn't there any chance? And, and we've got a photo of Michael holding his... Uh, uh, learner's driver's license in a photo. We show that and, and uh, she wasn't impressed. It has to be certified and so on. And so we realize, oh shucks, that we've got a problem. And, and uh, it had just, Mandri usually takes care of bringing our son's IDs with and so on. And uh, it had just slipped her mind. It's just what had happened. And the only option was that I had to now rush home. So I left Man Mandri and Michael at the airport and here we go hightailing it out of the airport. Right here I go. Firstly, I've got to run to the long-term parking. Why did we park in long-term parking? And I was like, <laughs> and get into the one machine, it doesn't work, and the other one won't take my 100 rand note. And if you think, oh, it's crazy, man. I'm in my car and uh, out and on the highway, and I'm starting to gun it now. I'm hoping the angels are still in the car, that kind of thing. <laughs> Eventually, I'm realizing, I better put on my hazard lights here, you know? So the hazard lights are going, and I'm gunning it and going for it, and I'm, and I'm praying a prayer, which I don't know if the Lord will answer. Lord, keep the cops away. Keep the cops away. Don't look at me funny. You've prayed that prayer too. Yeah, yeah. And so gunning it, you know? Get back to the house quickly, alarm off into the house, filing cabinet open, get the ID out, jump back into the car, hazards on, I'm doing low flying back to the airport. And I couldn't believe the other cars on the road were driving so slowly. <laughs> and I'm just weaving through the traffic here, weaving through the traffic, and the hazards are on. Managed to get back to the airport with 17 minutes to spare before takeoff. 17 minutes before takeoff. And uh, I'm not too sure why you're clapping, but <laughs> is it for my driving skills or God's help or, I, I, I don't know, I'm just not going to go there. <laughs> We're getting it, man. And we get back, 17 minutes to spare. We're all on the flight. Everybody's happy and so on. And so it turned out all good in the end. But I want to tell you something that, and I'm not trying to blow my own horn at all. Well, I was hooting a lot along the way, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but let me tell you this. When that situation happened, we're at the counter, and they say, where's the ID? And I look at my wife, and she goes like, you know. <laughs> I controlled my tongue. And 
I didn't say anything to make my wife feel ugly. And I really believe that that is important because when you are bumped, you spill over from what is in your heart. And Mandri actually appreciated me a few times after that and she said, wow, thank you that you didn't make me feel bad or anything like that. I give the Lord the honor because it's His grace working in my life. It's the redeemed nature of God at work. I give Him all the honor. And what would you have done in a situation like that? I see some people even putting their hands on their faces. The key to solving our words problem is looking at our heart problem because the mouth merely overflows from the heart. And so I want to say to you, what is going on in your heart? Now, James, he is dealing very clearly about controlling our tongues. And he gives 12 verses pointedly speaking to believers about controlling their tongues. Are you aware of what the Bible is saying to you and to me today? I mean, maybe I could have gotten one or two verses as a pastor and kind of done the job. No, James, 12 verses to bring across this important point. Because it matters. Because it matters. Your speech matters. It matters to God. It matters to people around about you. It matters to your family. It matters to your children. Your speech certainly matters. But it all begins in the heart. Point number four. I'm going to have to speed up a little bit here. Speak from your redeemed nature, not your old nature. Please say that with me. Speak from your redeemed nature, not your old nature. Now, let me tell you this. When the fall of mankind took place, we lost dominion over the tongue. Our human fleshly nature cannot succeed in governing the tongue, but God. But God empowers us to bring the tongue under control. I want to remind you as a believer in Jesus Christ, your old nature has been crucified with Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And so I want to say out of the authority of God's word, you can have victory over your speech. No doubt about it. It's not a losing battle. You can have victory over that but we need to put off the old nature and we need to put on our redeemed nature. Now, there's a scripture on the board. I'd like to look at it carefully. Colossians 3, verse 8 and 9, it says, But now you yourselves are to put off, please say put off, all these things. No, you don't have to say that as well. <laughs> Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. And look at those words underlined. Filthy language out of your mouth. That's what the Bible says. Verse 9, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, I'm going to give an opportunity because I feel the Lord says I need to do this. And this is an opportunity. In a moment, I'm going to ask you just to stand right where you are. Nobody will be called to the front. But the opportunity is specifically this, for people here that need to ask forgiveness and repent before the Lord for using unclean language.
for using bad language, for using unwholesome language. And let me say, as people stand in a moment, nobody is looking at you to judge you. We're the family of God. We've got to be real with each other. But this is a real thing. So I'd like to, to invite you to stand right now, if that's you. Right now. Have the guts to stand. Have the guts to stand. Now I'm going to pray into that. Heavenly Father, these people are standing because we realize that there is a high standard in the Word of God, and we don't want to be found wanting. Lord, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We say, Lord, please forgive us for unclean language, for bad language, for unwholesome speech that has come out of our mouths, for curse words that have come out of our mouths, even perhaps some that have used your name in vain. We just say, Lord, we realize it is unrighteous, it is sin, and we ask your forgiveness totally and completely. We confess it to you. We confess it to you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we purpose in our hearts to put off the old and put on our redeemed nature. Lord, I pray for every one of these people for special grace to begin to walk in greater victory in this area and that you would redeem our speech in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done. I think we can give all everyone a hand for having the boldness to obey in terms of that. And so putting on the redeemed nature, it says in Ephesians 4, verse 23 to 24 and verse 29, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on. Now, would you say put on? Just now we were speaking about putting off the carnal nature. Now we're talking about putting on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And then it says the following, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, child of God, but what is good for necessary edification and that it may impart grace to the hearers. I find this interesting. And God's saying, put aside the corrupt language and let the language that begins to come out of our mouths be language of edification. Let it be language of imparting grace. Years ago, somebody told me that sometimes when you think, well, should I say something or shouldn't I? Then you must just think of this threefold test. Here it is. Ask the question before saying something. Is it true? Is it necessary? And does it build up? Think about that. I'm about to say something. And is it true? Is it necessary? And does it build up? Because if it meets that threefold test, then go ahead. It'll be words of life to other people. Church, would you say this after me? I can be victorious, can be victorious. in the area of my speech. Yeah. It's not a losing battle. God has empowered me to succeed. Say amen, would you? Okay, number five, which is a brief point. Number five, live a life that displays the wisdom of heaven. Live a life that displays the wisdom of heaven. In these last few brief verses, he now shifts out of the tongue focus and briefly talks about wisdom. And 
Essentially, James is saying that there's two kinds of wisdom. The one I would say is wisdom in inverted commas, not real wisdom. And the other one is the wisdom from heaven. And James is just saying that we as God's children need to operate in the wisdom from heaven. It says in James 3 verse 17, I hope your Bible is still open. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Isn't that interesting? Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And so in verses 13 to 18, James is clearly talking about two types of wisdom. He wants to emphasize the difference between these two types of wisdoms and calling people to the wisdom from above. And it's actually as though James is painting two portraits. The one portrait is of the truly wise man. The other portrait is of the worldly wise man or worldly wise person. Let's just briefly, as we are drawing to a close, consider these two portraits for a moment. And I ask you, which portrait best describes you? As I looked in the passage, talking about false wisdom from, heaven, from earth, the worldly wise person, some of the following words describe that first portrait of the worldly, sorry, the, the false wisdom from earth. These words, envy, jealousy, self-seeking, striving, boasting, being prejudiced towards others, wearing a mask, and hypocrisy. And I trust that that first portrait of false wisdom from earth does not describe you. But the second portrait is the one that should be sought after and is described by the following words, good conduct, meekness, purity, seeking peace, being gentle, willing to yield. Think about that. Are you willing to yield and showing mercy? And so I want to say to you that, folks, I believe what James is essentially saying in this last little bit is there's a way that the world operates. They think it's wise, but it's not wise. It's worldly wise people that do that, but it's actually foolishness. And James is also saying there's a way that the people of God operate, and it's the true wisdom from heaven, where you are actually pure, where you seek peace, where you are a merciful person and where God's grace is evident in your life. And so I want to close off by reading Ephesians 4, verse 1. Paul says here, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And I want to say to you, you are a righteous child of God. You are a righteous woman of God. You are a righteous man of God. Now live with that wisdom from heaven. Live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have received. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Awesome. Would you please stand and pray right now? As you stand, would you take the hand of the person next to you? Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time around your word. Thank you for the jewels and the treasures that we see in the book of James. And Lord, we particularly just say that we are depending on you and relying on you that we would see more and more victory in our speech. We yield our speech to you. We yield our tongues to you, our hearts to you. And we ask, Lord, for decisive difference from this day. We also say, Lord, that we want to walk in the wisdom from heaven. And so, Lord, thank you for this time around your word. I bless your people in the matchless name of Jesus. And all God's people say, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.